0: We're going to be preaching from the book of Hebrews both this morning and tomorrow night. I hope you'll come back tomorrow night because I I want you to hear what what the Lord has for you tomorrow night as well. But uh, I want you to look there in Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to look at quite a few verses from this chapter today and see what God's telling us here. But before I read verses to you, I'd like to just briefly summarize the book of Hebrews for you. In many ways, people describe the book of Hebrews. But basically, the book of Hebrews is a, an epistle of exhortation. It is God speaking to us as believers, and he's exhorting us to hold fast to the profession of our faith. Over and over and over again in the book of Hebrews, we are challenged to hold fast to the faith we have in Jesus Christ. Now, in the book of Hebrews, God presents to us the person of Christ. And probably like no other book in the Bible, Christ is presented to us in this book of Hebrews. We see in the first 10 chapters, we see the majesty of Jesus Christ. We see who he is in many different ways. We see him as God. We see him as the son of God. We see him as the creator. We see him as better than Moses, better than the angels. We see him as the suffering, lowly Savior, the Lamb of God. We see him as the great high priest after the order of Melchizedek. But as we read the book of Hebrews, God is clearly demonstrating to us, showing to us this great person, God in the flesh, Jesus Christ. And not only does he show us the majesty of Christ, but he shows us the ministry of Christ. And the Bible goes into great detail in chapters 8, 7, 8, 9 about the sacrifice that Christ made on Calvary and how he is our high priest and how he entered into that holy place in the heavens and presented his blood as a sacrifice for our sin. And now we come to chapter 10. And chapter 10 is, is probably one of the most misunderstood uh, verses in the Bible by those who think you can lose your salvation. But if you read chapter 10 and study it well, you can see that it is an eternal security passage. Amen. And I want you to look with me in verse 17. We're going to read down through verse 22. Verse 17, the Bible says here, and, there, and their sins... i got to put this thing down. It's making me feel short. Amen. Uh, <clears throat> you make me feel short too, Pastor. <laughs> I took a picture uh, Friday night with my new son in law's uh, father and him, and I said, Man, I look like a midget standing next to these two guys. Um, verse 17. I love this verse. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Aren't you glad about that? God said he would remember your sins no more. That means he will not bring up your sins and, and judge you according to those sins and send you to hell Amen. if you've put your faith in Jesus Christ. Verse 18, Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil that is to say his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God. And I want you to pay attention here to verse 22. I wish I had time to teach every phrase and every verse. I just went through the whole book of Hebrews with my church, verse by verse. But I don't have time for that today, I want want you to get something God is emphasizing here. But I want you to see the emphasis of verse 22. And look there and, and read it along with me as I read. It says, let us, what, draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. We're never going to get missions right until we get the Christian life right. We're never going to get missions right until we get salvation right. God has not saved you simply to give you a ticket out of hell. God saved you that you would draw near to him. He gave you life that you would give that life back to him and know him intimately as a friend. Yes, as his child, but more than that, as a friend. Draw near. Hey, I'll remember your sin no more. Jesus has paid the debt. Now, draw near. You can have the boldness to draw near to God because of the high priest, Jesus Christ. We see here the clear teaching of the eternal security of the believer and the purpose for salvation and for having an assurance of your salvation. Draw near with full assurance. God wants you to know that you're saved. I know I'm saved because of the promises of God. I know I'm saved because God said if I believe on Jesus, that he would give me eternal life. And I have assurance that I'm saved because of faith in Jesus Christ and it is my job to draw near to him, to stay close to him. But we are prone to wander, aren't we? We are prone to backslide. The church, God has given us a mission. He did not give that mission to the Apostle Paul alone. He did not give that mission to Pastor Wilkerson alone. He did not give that mission to me alone. He did not give that mission to you alone. He has given us a mission to go in all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That is something we're going to have to do together. We each have a part in it, but I can only stand in one place and preach. And you can only be in one place at one time. And God has put us in a body together that we may accomplish his work together. But we are prone to wander. We are prone not to draw near to him. We are prone to lose track of our salvation. We're prone to forget the sins from which we have been purged. And that's why the book of Hebrews Because God is saying, I'm exhorting you. The word exhort means to plead with someone passionately. It means to beg somebody to do what is right. And the Spirit of God is exhorting us in this book to hold fast to the profession of our faith, to not quit, to keep going. All these banners up here, loving, praying, giving, helping, going, discipling, sending, caring. That world up there, yeah, we've got a job to do, but it's going to take all of us holding fast to our own personal faith to get that done. And you've got to look at it that way. You've got to take it personally in your own life. Amen? We don't need to lose anyone from this mission. The mission field needs you. It needs you to hold fast. It needs you to keep on giving. It needs you not to neglect your Christian walk. It needs you to finish your race that he'll talk about in chapter 12 of Hebrews. You have a race to run. You need to finish that race. And because of Christ and his majesty and his ministry, you can do that. I want you to look with me in verse 23. and. I'm going to point out some phrases here in some of these verses. We're not going to read every part of these verses, but I want you to notice in verse 23, let us what? Hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Don't waver. Hold fast. Look in verse 35. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence. Because of Christ, we can be confident. We can draw near to God in full assurance that don't cast that confidence away. Finish your race. Hold fast to the faith. Look in verse 38. verse Verse 38, yeah, it says, Now, the just shall live by faith, but if any man, what? Draw back. Look at verse 39. But we are not of them who draw back. Hey, church, can I say to you this morning, in, in, in begging with you, pleading with you, trying to exhort you this morning, can I say to you, we're not of them who draw back. That should not characterize us. But what should characterize us is that we're clinging to the faith, clinging to Jesus Christ, clinging to our relationship with him, drawing near to him on a daily basis. This morning, I want to give you four reasons from Hebrews chapter 10 of why you should finish your race, why you should hold fast to your faith, four reasons why you should not turn from your service to God. And the first reason we find in verse 23, look in verse 23 again. It says, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, and then it tells us why. It gives us a reason. For, or because. For, he is what? Faithful. He is faithful. The heart of missions is Jesus Christ. The heart of missions is a person. And it's not Ted Spear. It's not John Wilkerson. It's not Mark Bushy. It's not Rick Martin. It's not Kevin Wynn. It's not none of these people. It's Jesus Christ. Amen. And you need to finish because of Jesus. You need to finish because God is what? Faithful. We like to say God is good. Amen. You know why we can believe God is good? Because he's faithful. Amen. If God wasn't faithful, he wouldn't be good. God is faithful. Now, can you be faithful? Yes, you can. Because of Jesus Christ and the spirit of God that lives in us and the word of God that God has given to us, we too can be faithful and we should be faithful. God is worthy of our getting in the race getting on the team, getting in the mission, and finishing. I'm preaching to people this morning who have been in the work. Your testimony is maybe a testimony of decades. Maybe you've been giving every year to Faith Promises, and and like me, you've added to it each year. But here's the thing. There's no guarantee that you're going to finish just because you've been doing it don't mean you're going to keep doing it. And the exhortation from God is finish your race. Hold fast to your faith. The job's not done. we got to keep going. we got to keep pressing on 2000000 and some $100,000 last year. That's not enough. That's in the past. Put it in the past. Look forward and keep going for Jesus. We can't live in the past. We look back to the past. We're inspired by the past. We remember the victories of the past. But the past is not good enough for today. That's right. We gotta hold fast. Every one of us. God is worthy of our suffering. He's worthy of our enduring to the end. He's worthy of our sacrifice. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 24, Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. God will do his part. Will you? Don't tell me God's not calling people. Don't tell me God's not leading people. Don't tell me the work of God. God's mission hasn't changed. He doesn't waver. We are the ones who waver. The second reason that we should finish our race, that we should hold fast our faith. Look in verse 24 and 25. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and, good, and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. I told you to exhort someone is to plead with them passionately to do what's right. Most of the time this word is translated to beg. If we were not prone to wonder, if we were not prone to quit, if we were not prone to backslide, we wouldn't need no exhortation. We wouldn't need to come to church on Sunday morning. But we need it, don't we? We need church. We're not to forsake, semblance of ourselves together. Why? Because we're weak and we're prone to wonder. I'm always inspired when I come back to First Baptist Church by the people in this church like you, Brother Moffat. Thank you for serving the Lord. Thank you for being faithful, Brother Lapina, Brother Quotzo. And so many saints that sit out here, you inspire me and you encourage me and you're a great blessing, but they're not all here. There are many that are gone. There are many who have turned aside. There are many who have quit the race then we need exhortation. We need each other. Friend, let me tell you something. Somebody's watching you. Finish your race. Somebody needs you. Somebody's looking at you. Yes, I know that we need to keep our eyes on Jesus, but here's the thing. Oftentimes, people get their eyes off Jesus, and the only Jesus that they're going to see is the Jesus in you. And that's why you need to come to church every Sunday, Sunday night, Wednesday night prepared and ready for God to work through you and in you to exhort and inspire those around you. The way you listen to a sermon, the way you sing, the way you sit, the way you attend, how you participate, it's all important. This church is not strong because it has a, pastor only who's strong this church has t- stood the test of time because many have held to their faith Amen. we need each other i need to keep going I need to finish my race because god is faithful and number two people need to me need me recently a young man i don't remember who it was i don't know their name But I remember they came up to me and they said, Preacher, keep going. Keep going. We need you. And somebody needs you. Parents, your children are looking to you. Teachers, your students are looking to you. Christian, the world is depending on us. We're depending on each other. I was asked recently what motivates me, and there's a lot of things that motivates me. But one thing that motivates me is you. I don't come here to First Baptist Church and ask to preach just to motivate you. I come here and get motivated. I get on a plane and go back to God and I want to do more for God because of your ministry to me. How you behave in the house of God can have a big impact on the life of others, the life of myself. What's going on in Ghana, West Africa, is not the work of Ted Spears, not the work of a few missionaries that, 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 that work there. It is the work of a lot of people, including you. There's a guy in this church, he bought me a razor two years ago, and I, I remember every time I shaved with it. What a blessing. It's a small thing, Brother Bushy, but it makes an impact. It makes a difference. I'm praying for you. You are important to the mission. We're kicking off this missions conference, and we're kicking it off with the idea it's not just about God calling that person sitting next to you. It's about you finishing your race. Because what good is it going to do for that little kid to say, hey, God's calling me. I'm 11 years old. I want to go to here. If you're not going to finish your race, if you're not going to help get them to the field. We need each other. I got to finish my race, amen? This small little sprint called a sermon. The third reason, look in verse 26. Number one, we need to finish because God is faithful. Number two, we need each other. People are looking to you. Number three, look at verse 26, for if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment suppose ye? Shall he be thought worthy who have trodden underfoot the Son of God and have counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and have done despite unto the Spirit of grace? For you know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me. I will recompense, saith the Lord. Who's he talking about recompensing? Who's he talking about getting vengeance against? And again, the Lord shall what? Judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God, the living God. In Africa, the people in Ghana, many people identify as Christian, but they're taught from an early age that you become a Christian by doing good works, that you you get to heaven by serving God, by obeying His commandments. They don't just think that, they're taught it from the scriptures. This is one of the passages where people try to teach it. And that's not what it's teaching here at all. But they criticize us because we teach that once you put your faith in Jesus Christ and you're a child of God, you can't lose that salvation. And they say, Oh, you're encouraging people to sin. I said, No, we don't, we're not encouraging people to sin. We're teaching people they have a father. See, a father doesn't just care for your needs. A father just is not just somebody you enjoy. A father is someone who corrects you. A father is someone who disciplines you, and God is our Heavenly Father. And judgment begins at the house of God. Folks, i got news for you. When you step out of this world and step into eternity, there's going to be a judgment we can argue about when and where that takes place, but there is a judgment seat of Christ, and there will be no unsaved people there, but there will be a lot of shame. There will be a lot of shame, because your works will be tried, and that which is not for God will be burnt up. And the Bible teaches us in 1 John chapter 2, and verse 28, that we should work and be careful how we live so that we are not ashamed in front of Him at His coming. God judges his people here, he judges his people there. And we need to live in fear of that. We need to live like we're gonna face God one day. Yeah. What do you think's gonna happen? Do you think you're gonna to get to heaven and stand in front of God and you quit giving the missions or you quit going or you quit soul winning or you decided not to follow through? You think you're gonna stand there and go, well, at least I went to heaven, I didn't go to hell. No, it don't work like, thank you very much. Because let me tell you, when you go up, you get a new body. When you go up, this sinful body's left behind. You're not going to have no sinful attitudes there. You're not going to be saying, well, oh, big deal. No, you're going to be very aware. What did the song say? Regrettable, the line in your song? Regrettable mistakes. Let's not have regrettable mistakes here or there. God judges his people. The fourth thing, look at verse 32. But call to remembrance the former days in which after ye were illuminated, ye endured a great fight of afflictions. He's talking to a group of people who have been serving God. They've been in the work. He says, you endured a great fight of afflictions, partly whilst ye were made a gazing stock, verse 33, both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly whilst ye became companions of them that were so used. What's he saying? He's saying, listen, when you were serving God, and people mocked you, and they reproached you, and they looked at you. They looked down on you. They despised you because of your stand for Christ. Do you remember that? Verse 34, for ye had compassion of me. He said, even if they didn't mock you, you stood with me who they mocked. You had compassion on me in my bonds, and notice what he says, and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods knowing in yourselves that ye have in heaven a better and enduring substance. These believers had rejoiced in giving to the work of the author of this epistle. Whether it was Apostle Paul or whoever it was, they had rejoiced in giving to his work. They joyfully, or they rejoiced in his spoiling them, in his taking of their goods, and of their wealth, and use it in the ministry. They rejoiced in giving that. And he's saying, don't quit. Finish. Hold fast to that. Amen? The fourth point is this. There's something better. There's something better. Hold fast to the profession of faith because there's something better. Look what it says. You need to know something. Knowing in yourselves that you have in heaven a what? Better and enduring substance. The theme of the conference is reaching with eternity in view or reaching with an eternal view. Give and labor here knowing something that you have a more, a better and more enduring substance in heaven. That's why you shouldn't quit. Man, God gives us a lot of motivations. Amen? Amen. He says, look at me. I'm I'm your faithful God. I died on the cross for you. Draw near to me. That ought to motivate us. Amen? Then he says, other people are watching you. Hey, the church, I've given the church this mission. People are looking to you. Exhort one another. That ought to motivate you. Amen? And then he says, hey... I'm a consuming fire. You'll find that at the end of chapter 12. And judgment begins with my people. And then he says, and if you'll serve me, you've got a better and an enduring substance in heaven. And he said, he reminded them, you were glad when I took of what you had and used it. Continue being glad in that. You have that picture. You guys, if you could put that picture up there for me. Last Sunday, this is a new church, first church service. This church was planted in the Volta region, about probably about an eight or nine hour drive from our church. Christian and beauty Gaffachi. We, the pastor and his wife, on the left there is Pastor Otri Bwachi. On the right, Pastor Michael Knob, they're on our church planning team. They've been there for two weeks now. They've got another week. They're going to stay there and help that church get going. That was a picture from the first church service last Sunday. They had over 100 people come. I got a message from them this morning to so, Pastor. We have 57 people to come today. We think these are going to be our, our core people. They're Praise going to keep Lord. coming. You did that. You did that. We spoiled you so that could happen last Sunday. Rejoice in it and keep giving and consider giving more and consider doing more and hold fast to your faith and grow your faith and draw near to God. That's what life is all about, folks. Heaven is coming quickly. Use your time wisely. Hold fast to the faith. Let's keep on doing what we've been doing and doing more of it. And you have a part in it. I don't know where you're at, who you are today. I don't know if you're somebody who's new to the church and you haven't been involved in missions. Get involved. I started giving the missions as a college student. $5 a week. I've grown my missions every year since way before I ever thought I'd go to the mission field. Maybe you're somebody who gives a lot. Pray that you can give more. Maybe you need to think about going to the mission field. But I'm not here to call people to the mission field today. I'm here to call people to Jesus Christ. And I'm here to tell you to hold fast to your faith because if we don't do that, then we can't get the work done.